Episode 81. If you're listening to this at time of release, Halloween is upon us. A collective of no less than seven Grammy winning songwriters and producers have teamed up to provide the soundtrack to the season that you can keep on well after the 31st has passed. They are called Lovecraft and have just released This Is Halloween Volume 1. They all have spooky alter egos to disguise their true identities like Ghost Malone and Scariana Grande. Featured on Apple Music's Halloween homepage have even already been tapped to provide some tunes for the new season of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. The core of the group are here to talk about the project, their love of horror, how it bleeds into everything they do, some amazing ghost stories, and their passion for Halloween. Trick or treat, boils and ghouls. This is Lil Pumpkin. I'm Deep Cuts. And this is Norman Crates from, from Lovecraft. Lovecraft. You're conjuring up another spooktacular episode of the Boo Crew. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Broadcast over 666 kilohertz on the AM band. Movie scores, soundtracks, and bands. It's killer tracks on Terror Tunes. Music is my life. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy Studio, a spooky musical project cloaked in darkness. They say around Halloween time, the veil between us and the spirit world is at its thinnest. Using this portal, a collective of no less than seven Grammy award-winning songwriters and producers behind the world's most well-loved songs and artists, including Beyonce, Britney Spears, Demi Lovato, Mark Ronson, Rihanna, Charlie XCX, Jason Derulo, the list is endless. They've passed back and forth into the netherworld to conjure up an album of haunted tracks full of blood drenched hooks and eerie melodies called This Is Halloween Volume 1. Available everywhere now. Here to tell us all about it, disguised in their sinister alter egos are Lil Punkin, Deep Cuts, and Norman Crates from Lovecraft. Hi. Hi. Welcome, you guys. Oh, thanks for having us. And congrats on this album. It's oh, thanks. It's killer. Well, we appreciate it. Exactly so what we that, were going for. That's what we were going for. <laughs> I want to go back to the beginning, and I want to ask each one of you what your earliest memory of the horror genre was, whether it was a movie you watched, a book you read, a Care Bears episode. I don't know. What scared the shit out of you? Care Bear scare? No, you know what? Honestly, like, I mean, I guess... Is it the horror genre? I mean, the original Dark Crystal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Exactly. So Dark Crystal. And there was this movie called Time Bandits. Mm-hmm. Yes. Time Bandits. And, and I think I had so many like horrible memories from both of those movies. It kept me up nights. Time Bandits was unsettling. I remember my dad taking me that. I couldn't. I was like, I was like, what the hell is kid. this? I was like yeah. a little kid. That and Dark Crystal were crazy. That was before I like started getting into the like knowing the horror genre existed and then i think probably the first thing that i saw that scared the bejesus out of me was the first poltergeist how old were you do you figure when you saw poltergeist maybe like eight 
Wow. Right I had older brothers and sisters who loved to watch horror movies. So I just wasn't allowed to watch it with them. Was it kind of forbidden fruit? Did that make you want to see him more? Yeah. Combined with the fact that my mom was obsessed with Halloween. So starting from when I was four years old, every Halloween party for every class of school I was in ever was at our house. And she went all out. We made ghouls where we like stuffed newspapers into real clothes and put balloons into scary masks and we'd set them up everywhere and she'd throw dry ice in the pool and like, oh, I mean, wow. we'd, we'd have kids over the entire week leading up after school to carve pumpkins. And like, it was like a real thing in, in my house. Like Halloween, since I was ever could remember, was like a major holiday. It was really important, but I wasn't allowed to watch the scary stuff. I feel like Dark Crystal and Time Bandits felt like kids movies, but I was young. And then obviously Poltergeist was the first one that I remember seeing that was like a horror movie. Deep cuts. Okay. My earliest spooky memory where I was like absolutely traumatized is Close Encounters. My dad was into consumer electronics. So we had kind of the first, he had a little very modest but cool little four track recording studio in our basement. He had the first VHS where you were like tethered to the, you know, and there were tons of streaks, you know, from the analog technology. He was the first member of the video rental store. Oh, wow. Like literally number yeah, one, number one <laughs> legacy Whoa. member. I grew up on a farm, which was very spooky in general. This is and, North Dakota. Yeah. North Dakota. Miles from anyone just on the prairie. And so it was boring in the winter. So my dad would go to the video store and just rent tons of stuff. And I think like I'm the youngest of four and they were like younger parents. And so, like, you know, it's all watch Close Encounters, whatever. Absolutely terrified. Yeah, they, also where you're living, Close Encounters yes. would be even scarier. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, and that context yeah when it was dark there it was pitch black we were just like into the horror my dad and my mom liked to have a lot of fun he bought like a vocal harmonizer and he would like talk through it and freak us out and <laughs> welcome to my nightmare yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> except i was probably like three <laughs> a little extra i actually have two one of them i don't know what the movie was so maybe everyone here can help me sure and the other one is very specific and both of them occurred while my parents were out doing something and the babysitter came and neglected my sister and I. There you go. So the first one, I I don't know what the movie is, but it has been burned into my brain since I was probably seven or six. I don't know. And it's a scene. I don't know if it's aliens. I don't know what it is. There's a guy. He's got like a green glow stick in his hand and he's like killing cows. And that's all I can remember. But I was terrified forever. If anyone out there knows what this film was or is... Please write us a letter because we'd love to know. When you say green glowing, I automatically think reanimator, but I don't recall like a cow killing scene in reanimator. Interesting. We're killing cows. I don't know. Anyway, so there's that, which then my parents came home and they're like, why can't you sleep? And I was like, I don't know. I just can't sleep. And it's like, well, every time they would go out and the babysitter would let us watch TV on our own. That's what happened. But the one that I really remember the most is Amityville Horror. And another example of... My parents are out doing something and the babysitter doesn't care. And we had HBO or something like that. And we're watching Amityville Horror. There's a scene where the kid's hands get slammed in the window yeah. and the flies are in the room. And it was just absolutely yeah, pretty crazy. terrifying. Yeah. And both my sister and I, who's older, were terrified for weeks, just full on. And so that was my first real scare. And after that, I was Dracula for Halloween probably every year from that year until I went to college. <laughs> you know, we have the same college. My, grandmother, my grandmother sewed me a Dracula cape and I wore it with like those pl- 
plastic fangs every Halloween. <laughs> Do you still have it? Probably for 10 years. I don't have the cake anymore. I wish I did at this point. So what ended up becoming some of your favorite horror movies of all time? Deep cuts. I got to just get in here right now. I got to cut it up. Of recent, and you may know this one, Black Devil Doll from Hell. (laughs) (laughs) I know that movie. Someone told me just about it the other day. Remember? Chrissy was telling us about that movie. It is the strangest movie ever. I currently own a terabyte of B minus to C minus, like Canon film. (laughs) Golden Globus. Yeah, like, because I'm obsessed with canon and Golden Globus. Like, I'm obsessed with it. Like, I collect it. But Black Devil Doll from Hell was a, it has the weirdest lore behind it because no one knows who actually made it. It was a VHS recording in the mid-80s Southside Chicago horror film about a haunted doll. Haunted dummy. A haunted dummy, and there's a sex scene. VHS. Like a human on on doll sex scene? Yeah. 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 It's completely crazy. Shot on VHS, too? VHS. Wow. Actually, some sick music in it, too. Like, kind of, like, funky, awesome. Like, it it is so mind-bogglingly strange. If canon films, (laughs) like, if you think, like, Ninja Three: The Domination. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. One of the best movies. <laughs> Hell yeah! Remember that? Okay, literally. <laughs> Anything the Exorcist. Lucinda Dickey. Yeah, Lucinda and Dickey. or whatever the guy's name yeah, is. Yeah. 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 If you can mix Lucinda Dickey, ninjas, and the exorcism into one film, you have my heart forever. Wow. But this movie is one hundred percent fully cuckoo. F minus quality. One of the best <laughs> yeah. movies I've ever seen. I will send it to you. <laughs> Please wow. do. Wow. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it there. I just had to yeah. give it. It's props. out there. I think it's fully streaming on YouTube yeah. now. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, man. I don't know. Sorry. I blew it. No, I know. <laughs> yours, yours is so much deep. I mean, that's why you're deep cuts. <laughs> exactly. Right. right. Deep cuts. <laughs> I mean, Poltergeist is my favorite. I mean, maybe because it was the first one that scared me. Sure. The original Poltergeist is my favorite. Creepshow 2. <sighs> yes. Creepshow 2 yeah. is a Creepshow damn good, good movie. Creepshow. What's your favorite segment from Creepshow 2? I mean, the rat, the rat. I mean, I mean, I, listen. So I would go to sleepaway camp every year. Oh, yeah. And I ultimately swim out to a like raft or kind of like deck that's in the lake. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, immediately, I'd recall and I'd just like try to swim back in, but and just assume that I was going to be eaten from below. Like, was, I just it haunted me forever. I mean, I think the ones that I love the most are the ones that stuck with me. That freak me out even now i feel like kind of the same way it's like when i was young i was growing up in the 80s and uh nightmare on elm street like <laughs> yeah don't fall asleep like how many sleepless nights did that one give me <laughs> yeah. probably yeah. another month's worth you know and uh and that just where they went with that entire series is pretty incredible like i think it was the second one the second one is the crazy one that has like strange stuff going on with like the director was pushing the lead actor it, to do sort of like this sort of like closeted homosexual stuff yeah, and it had all two. this crazy classic but it is the one of the wildest movies ever the pool party and like the bus right, flying off right. the cliff the bedroom, and just like yeah, what is going on classic. with that film just so worth watching and rewatching to try to like dig into like who made this and how, what was what was their motivation and like, why is it so incredible? I think that's what's so interesting is like, we all grew up kind of in the 80s. And yeah. so those, when we were kids, oh, those movies that were new were the ones that we watched brand new. But like, as I got older, older, I went back and watched like the classics and they didn't scare me as much as if I had watched them when I was a kid. Has a love of the genre snuck into your creative musical vocabulary in the past like not just this project but just in general yeah a little punk and you're sort of like the seed of the whole yeah 
I mean, always. I, everything. I just love everything about the genre itself, and, mm-hmm. and you know, from I've been known to go to writing and recording sessions just dressed up, <laughs> I, like, <laughs> like, like costumes, like not on Halloween, just in Halloween. general. And I was known, and for like probably the first ten years of my writing career, I just had a bag of costumes in my trunk <laughs> that I would bring. Like, if I, some days I'd be like, I feel like dressing up like this or that, and I've gone to sessions dressed in full Harry Potter garb before, like full robes <laughs> and everything. People be like, "What are you dressed That's up for?" Right. I'm like. Just Thursday. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I I've always, I always had like bags of like masks and full costumes and wands and I don't know, just things other people could get dressed up to. I'd bring a man and be like, let's get dressed up today. Like, so for me, that aspect of Halloween and, and the horror genre has been part of my creativity and creative music making. Also, I just really tend to lean towards more spooky sounding chords and melodies. I love that so much. A little over a year ago, I mean, we had talked about doing Halloween. Halloween music and you know music for Halloween specifically and then about a little over a year ago I found myself in a castle on the coast of Denmark and I was in a writing camp and they had rented out this entire castle in a town called Hornbeck and it was one night and we had finished writing a song and the producer was like do you want to write a second song and I was like nah I don't really want to write a second song and he was like playing just tracks like music tracks and then this one hit and I was like oh I'll write to this one but the song has to be about Halloween and he's like I mean a Danish producer <laughs> He's like, what? And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, like, that, that's not really a thing in, in Denmark, you know? I mean, like, they have some stuff now, but like, not really. This other writer who is Scary Anna Grande, who's part of Lovecraft, was also at the camp. And I knew she loved everything Halloween. I knew she loved everything Harry Potter. We connected on a deeper level because of that. And I brought her in there. I was like, we're going to write a song about Halloween right now. So we wrote a song. At that moment, I was like, this is the full transition has happened. Going into 2019, we are making this happen on such a level. So it started with the two of you. And what song was that? Did it end up on the album? It's, or? it's not out yet. It's funny. It got kind of earmarked for some animated Halloween movie that still hasn't come to fruition. There's a bunch of stars attached to it. And then they were like, we're going to use it. And like, it's kind of been on hold for that. But that was how me and Norman and Deep Cuts, we are the epicenter of this crew that includes obviously Ghost and a few other people. We go to all the movies and we go to all the haunts and we go to Midsummer Scream and Scare LA and we go, you know, we go to Monster Blue. We go to all these places, right? So all year round, like this was obviously going to be the crew that made this record. We always been talking about it. But then on this other side, I had met Scary Anna and we wrote a song that was about Halloween. It was called I Want to Believe. Proof of and, and yeah, proof of concept. So I was able to bring that back and like kind of unite the worlds together and thus Lovecraft was born. Would you say there's any particular horror soundtracks that awakened the sonic palette for you guys as creators? Maybe something particular that piqued your interest, whether it was a composer who was doing something in a compelling way with melody or instrumentation where you're like, oh, wow. Goblin. Goblin. Yeah. Yeah. That's 100% big big goblin fan well i was gonna say like each person in lovecraft kind of brings their own love for different parts of the genre which is why the record itself is so diverse right it's like and and then also like for me growing up the minute it hit october 1st all i listened to was halloween music right and it was a lot harder before streaming (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) right but but it was it was something in my house you know like with my mom like as a kid we listened to all of the great songs the thing that we talked about was hey it's 2019 it's almost 2020 and it's all of the same songs mm-hmm. that I listened to when I was a kid. It's almost like offensive to the genre. There's always new horror movies and there's always new haunts. And, there's always, and, and Halloween itself has become such a massive <laughs> thing in, in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. It's true, yeah. There's not really new, great, classic music 
to inspire the next generation. Like we're kind of spoiled growing up. Mm-hmm. Even the more commercial stuff, the Rockwells and the Ray Parker Juniors and and, and yeah. yeah, and like Michael and, and stuff like that, like Monster Mash, of course. But like we grew up listening to these these songs and then as we got older we'd dig into stuff like Goblin, like we'd get, you know, more refined and deeper into the genre. But for the next generation, they're still listening to what we listened to growing up. Yeah. So true. we kind of felt like it was a calling from beyond. We were to usher in the next generation of music for the horror genre. And it's great music. John Carpenter is yeah. brilliant. He makes all the music for all his films. Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. John the Carpenter. title track yeah. is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. I was going to say. When you look back, there was almost like, as far as Halloween music goes, a renaissance period in like maybe the 50s and 60s where there was a ton, right? That was it though, right? You're, you're like what you're saying, it hasn't really been replicated since then. No, and like all those songs that we just referenced weren't actually made for Halloween. I mean, somebody's watching right. came out in January. Right, right. Like right. That song was a January song. Yeah, right? It couldn't yeah. get farther away from the essence of Halloween. It's been appropriated by Halloween. Most of the stuff. Most of the stuff has, right? So that's why we wanted to focus because we just love it so much. It's like we really wanted to just give back and enjoy it. Like it's such a passion. In constructing what would be the sonic building blocks of this stuff, what did you determine were elements that would make a song spooky. You know, it's funny. <laughs> we actually wrote an article about it for ASCAP. They've been a big supporter. It's a songwriting performance rights society. They asked us to do something about the record. And basically we did a, a small article of 13 tips of how to make your song spookier. Oh, cool. So you can find it online. You could probably just Google that or go to our website, lovecraftsongs.com. There's so many directions you can take. You can do Carol Ann's theme. You can do like Ligeti's piece from The Shining, which is this, these really creepy strings and stuff like that. And, or you or can do Ghostbusters Mash. or you can do Monster Mash, you know, and it's like, these are all the building blocks and it's like, what do we have to add and how can we make it feel like it's 2020, you know, or 2019? We wanted to update what the sound was while also participating in the things that work and are a part of the lexicon tradition. already. Yeah, part of the tradition. But so. Some of the sounds though, like that are like traditional that you were using. I don't know. Some of the songs are like retro spooky which would have like horns and like 60s kind of swinging drums and stuff like that. And then we tried to like a theremin like weaved in with bells. Right. Like we were were like, how do we take, how do we take this, the classic (laughs) sounds, but update them at the same time? Right. Like how do we mesh them with something that people want to listen to right now? Mm-hmm. So that it feels current and quality, right? And like that will stand the test of time for the next 20 years. And so it doesn't feel like it was made 20 years ago. And so it's got it, like right. a timelessness to it. That right? was the whole point was like all yeah. those songs. Like, again, we grew up listening to those songs. They're classic and timeless. So for us, it wasn't about like what sounds great right now. It was like, how do we make it so it's competitive right now where people don't feel like they feel cool about listening to it. But at the same time, they still feel cool about listening to it 20, 30, 40 years from now. Like, how do we continue to add to the classic timelessness of the genre that we love so much. And there's an immersive quality to what you guys are doing too. You guys have released sample packs and yeah. presets and things well, that well, people that, can oh, have yeah. access to. Well, that was to. the other thing. Yeah. Out of, we're like, right, how can we inspire? How do we inspire the next generation yeah. to also contribute to making new Halloween music? Because it wasn't just about like us doing it. It was like, how do we start a revolution for people making music yeah. that is spooky? Like, yeah, we want Halloween to start on October 1st. And like like Christmas starts the day after Thanksgiving, you start hearing those songs. It's like October 1, we want you to start hearing Halloween songs nice. and great music. I but, feel like in this city, Halloween starts early, like well, September. Let's start in September. Yes, that's right. This year, I start, Decker. this year, Halloween started on September 13th. 
Everybody right. went Friday the 13th. That's so right. That, yeah. that was like the official launch of Halloween this year because right. there was a Friday the 13th. So everybody used it for a marketing angle or something. And then there are people throwing Halloween parties this weekend, clearly after October 31st. So it's been extended a few days, like maybe a Dia de los Muertos kind of extension mm-hmm. vibe. It started earlier and it's ending longer, which is great. Yeah. I would love if it was year round. Hell yeah. For, right. us, right. for us, it is. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. But, what is um, it? Spooky never sleeps for us? Yeah. Uh-huh. Spooky never sleeps. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's our motto. Yeah. Musically, there's a lot of bangers on this thing. Thanks. Right? Thank you. But there's also a mix into some more campy, fun stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Songs like yeah. Candyman, for instance. Then there's Spooky that starts off almost in the wheelhouse of like a Danny Elfman track almost. So that variety and crisscrossing, was that an intentional statement or did that just come out organically from all the different people bringing their elements into this? There was intention behind it because we definitely wanted the album to reach a big audience. So like, for example, Spooky feels like a modern trap record. Ghost trap. Like, yeah, like a ghost, ghost trap, trap I love that. Ghost yeah. Trap. <laughs> Obviously, with some of the other songs that have like 80s new wave sort of synths and sort of touching on these classic traditions and eras of horror. And then obviously all the way back to like a throwback song like Skeleton Sam is or Voodoo. Well, well it's like somebody would ask, like, are you calling it This Is Halloween as an ode to Night Before Christmas? And we're like, no, it's called This Is Halloween for us is because all of these different sounds are for us. Halloween. It's mm-hmm. not just one sound. That's Halloween. Right. All of these different sounds. This is Halloween. Like, this is what we think Halloween is yeah. and what we grew up listening to. These are the classic new versions of those, basically. Right. And we, we were only able to execute 11 to make this album. It's like next year we're going to broaden it even further because yeah, yeah. I don't think we even covered. We, we've scratched the surface and we've covered some of the major sort of angles, but there's way more to explore. We're actually starting right after New Year's. Yeah. We're, oh, that's we're, awesome. We're <laughs> it's already we literally have We literally have January booked out to start volume two. Yeah. Volume wow. Two. Oh, we're yeah, starting way earlier. Booked. In fact, we worked this year in March is when we started making one and we were like man I wish we'd started this in January Yeah, I feel like we're almost out of time I said to Norman the other day I was like it's crazy it's not even Halloween yet and I already feel like we're behind schedule for next year yeah it's oh, amazing <laughs> True story. sorry Beyonce we're working on Halloween uh, stuff yeah. <laughs> so there are some also enthralling cinematic moments on this album as well like you were saying the track First Blood you can almost hear the film grain in that song very reminiscent of yeah. stuff like the It Follows soundtrack or the work of John Carpenter what was the story behind that track in particular we were wanting to touch on like a cinematic play on like a that we could see as like a movie trailer soundtrack something that is would sit with film really really well and also like nod back to that oberheim john carpenter sort of classic 80s directive video sort of yeah. sounding retro which is like one of my favorite sounds ever and lyrically, obviously, vampiric undertone. Yes. Right. First blood. Hmm. Yeah, but it's like a love story. Can You Hear Me is also a really unique moment. Right. It's very creepy, but romantic as well. It kind of sounds like I would figure if a ghost snuck into a, a haunted mansion and there was a piano there. Well, you know what's so interesting about that? And I'll let Norman yeah. touch on that because we actually had these conversations when, when we started that one. Poltergeist. And Norman had brought it up. He was like, you know, when you listen to the song from Poltergeist, out of context, it sounds like a beautiful romantic song. You almost don't get the spookiness of it. If you had no idea it had anything to do with that, there was no visuals connected to it. That's oh, pretty. Know? Listen to this it's a really pretty, yeah. beautiful song. And then all of a sudden, it kind of, like you were saying, like it kind of, something starts happening to it. Where it starts, this 
feels off. I felt like kind of romantic for a minute, but now I feel a little bit like unsettled. That's basically what we were trying to play on with that one. It's like, let's have the children's voice. And it's like, can you hear me? We're saying it's almost like a nursery rhyme or like, a, you know, and then it's going to get you. And then, right. One, <laughs> right? two, yeah, Freddy's exactly. coming for you. You know, yeah. that's all. I mean, I remember every word of that from the day I heard it, but uh, it just underneath the music starts to get dark. It starts to get dissonant. And then we like have this transition into this weird voice from beyond the grave this like scary radio voice or it's an alien or it's a, something from the crypt and then it's like the darkness hits and it's like sorry see you later uh, right yeah it kind of bursts into a film score yeah, yeah. Scary, yeah. Scary, yeah. yeah. singing over like very dramatic and that was very music. intentional for that yeah, yeah. oh yeah. that's so, so awesome scare people guys done like ghost hunting or had any experiences with paranormal i have a picture of a ghost you do oh, oh yeah you do <laughs> yeah. From where? so creepy so we were filming a video for my well she's now my wife but she wasn't then we were just working together years and years and years ago but we were filming a video for her it was her first video ever and we shot it at the linda vista hospital in east la oh yeah yeah before it was whatever it is now and people were obviously post the fact that it was like a hospital in the 80s for like gang violence and then before that it opened up originally as a hospital for the railroad workers but during the time that we shot this, people were just renting it to shoot TV and film. I think they were shooting Walking Dead on the other side of there. Like when we started filming that night, it was like two weeks before Halloween and we were shooting from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And anywhere that it was light, it was because we had generators, right? So as we moved throughout this hospital, this massive hospital, it was just dark everywhere. And so like, you know, for fun, I'd like go down like the hallways and like take a picture just and then look at my phone, you know, see like just whatever. There was like a B-roll guy there and he was taking photos as well. And so we ushered into this room. We had no idea what it was. It was on the third floor of the building and behind the third floor of the building, it was nothing. It was a massive courtyard backed up by forest or like trees. So there's nothing behind this, this thing. And he had my wife go and stand behind, stand in front of this window and he took a picture on his phone and the flash went off. And all of a sudden we could see we were in the chapel because there's pews and then there's a huge cross and she's standing in front of the window and then whatever, whatever, we shoot the video, it's spooky, it's crazy just being there overnight in this hospital that's like, people have done ghost hunting in, and I've seen it on some of the shows. When we got the pictures back a few weeks later, I noticed these little lights outside of the window, and I thought that was so weird because I knew that outside of the window it was a major courtyard and then nothing behind that. And then also, even if there was something behind that, there's no light in this place, there's no power or electricity, we were the only people bringing in there because we had a generator. So as I enhanced on it and had the picture enhanced, you can, I'll show it to you before we leave, you can clearly see something i mean for me i don't want to ruin what it looks like but i don't know what else it can be <laughs> i'm that convinced of it and anybody i show it to goes oh yeah it's not like an orb it is actually a figure mm -hmm. outside of a third story window in the middle of an empty courtyard that's oh crazy. You got to give it a name and write a song about it. Right? Yeah. 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 Put it on the record next year. Yeah. Oh, that's Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Steve. One time was on the road with a band and we had a, a pit stop in Weston, West Virginia, which is where the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum is. Oh, yes. And I know so that we, place. We tried to get in there and we obviously just rolled up there like thinking like maybe we can just get inside and we couldn't obviously, but we saw flashlights inside and so I was really jealous because someone was obviously on a hunt. Oh, I want to go inside so bad. <laughs> oh, but that place was creepy and then our car wouldn't start for like 20 oh, minutes. Oh, no. <laughs> we were like, this is the beginning yes. of, a, of a really bad horror That's movie. That's awesome. Or a Scooby-Doo episode either. Yeah, right, exactly. yeah. <laughs> wow. Any other paranormal? Yeah. So the farm I grew up on, which had five generations of my family living oh, wow. on that farmstead. 
And prior to that, it was a, they called Bonanza Farms, which were corporate farms. So the house held, you know, a lot of day laborers. So a lot of different people lived in this house. I had many experiences. I don't know anyone out there, if you know what it's like when it's dark on the prairie, there's no trees. Yeah. It's just flat and it's pitch black. And my parents would occasionally go out and we would just be left there alone. And I remember light bulbs exploding during arguments. You know, they say like entities react like during like why be fighting with my sister and uh, the light would suddenly explode at like the height of the argument. Whoa. You know, as little kids, my dog wouldn't go in the basement. One night I saw a sheet floating. I was really scared. I come home from college and I was I was sleeping in my room and I was freaked out. My dad was out of town and I was like, I climbed into bed with my mom and in the middle of the night, I woke up to the sheet flying like three feet above her. Whoa. Oh my gosh, no. And I thought it was a storm. I just wasn't picking it up and when I woke up, all the windows were closed. And That's when, insane. When they were moving out of the house, they heard someone, my parents were the only ones living there, at about five in the morning, they heard someone call for them at the bottom of the stairs. But they both heard. <laughs> you live the conjuring. That's the conjuring. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's insane. I've seen one ghost and only one. And it's funny because I hadn't really thought about it in many years. And it actually ties in strangely to Lovecraft. When I was in college, my sophomore year, my roommate and I had beds right next to each other in our dorm room. I woke up in the middle of the night one night for whatever reason. And I sat up and I saw what appeared to be a figure sitting on the foot of his bed just like a scary translucent elderly man sitting on his bed and i remember it now it's something i haven't really thought about because i don't you know i don't know if it was real i don't know what it was something was there long story short the reason it ties into this is that roommate is who did our artwork oh no way oh yeah my my college roommate he did all of our artwork oh Uh, designed all the characters and the cover that's yeah. awesome no it looks so, great too and I saw I a ghost it. sorry mike <laughs> <laughs> is that is that ever deep, told you but is that deep cuts with the with the knife on yeah, the front there that is, yes, deep, that is deep cuts two standout covers i wanted to mention a stunning version of kids in america right out of a possessed child's music box and then you turn as long as you love me into one of the most terrifying moments on the album <laughs> which is crazy on it's, many levels scary it's right? wild how amazing like spinning these songs into minor keys like changes the context of the lyrics even right yes how did you pick those two songs well i'll let you speak to kids because i know that that was as a a writer and an artist i love songs i rarely feel compelled to cover them but my whole entire life i've been obsessed with that song kim wilde's kids in america i just love it the lyrics are so macabre in a very weird way and it's just a bizarre song that was a huge hit and in the 80s and what was great news is that song, like the original writers of that song are very open to covers. That's the only song on the planet way prior to Halloween I've ever wanted to cover in my life. And randomly, the originators of the song are very open to this and reinterpretation. So one of the things that we've noticed in the new great like renaissance or end of new horror with James Wong and like Bloomhouse is like reinterpretations of like classic records. And so... Yeah, that one was automatic. Really, I mean, the other one with, mm. with the Backstreet Boys song was all, was also like, how can we find a song that would be like the last thing in the world you would think we would could make? Exactly, yeah. right? Like, yeah. that was like, how could we, like, let's stretch ourselves a little bit here. <laughs> but then also we knew that that the writers of Backstreet Boys were also really open to the, the songs being covered. And so the best part about that song is it really takes somebody like a good minute and a half to like actually figure <laughs> out they're listening to a Backstreet Boys song. Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, and they're like, wait, 
that's this song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's this song? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> but that was just like a fun challenge for us to see if we could make that song as non-spooky as it is. Right. Something right. that was creepy. Yeah, into something completely, like I said, terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Is there any plans to do this stuff live? Now that would be something. There's we tossed it around. We yeah. tossed it around. You yeah. know, it's funny. We actually got some offers to come out of the crypt and maybe do some stuff. And uh, I think like potentially if we can get it together next year, it might be uh, I think that's a on possibility. That. Yeah. We didn't plan to make it like a touring act or anything like that. We right. just really wanted to make music that was fun to make, celebrate the genre and celebrate horror and celebrate Halloween and all that stuff. And it's just for someone to be like, hey, you guys want to, whoa, we ne- hadn't even thought about it. It's like, how do we do it? And then it's like, oh, this could be really fun. Yeah. So stay tuned. I think for us, would, I think it would have to be something that was special. We'd have to have some sort of like curated event. It couldn't just be us performing at like Hotel Cafe. Right, right. <laughs> Unless Hotel Cafe was going to let us take over Hotel Cafe sure. and turn it into a maze plus. And the Bates a, Motel. Yeah, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> it would have to be an experience. <laughs> it have to be an experience. Yeah. And, yeah, we, yeah. and the performance could be part of that. But yeah. I think that's important to us is like the music itself is like we're trying to lend to the experience of the genre of Halloween and of the spooky genre year round. Like Deep Cut said, like for us, spooky never sleeps. So it is a year round thing for us. Notice that there's a volume one attached on the end of this yeah. album title. Intentional. So yeah. yeah, we knew very early. We, we wanted to say right it. away. This is not just this. Like this is yeah. like the rest of our lives. Is the plan to do just another one on Halloween or is it the plan to release Ooh. more throughout the year? It's a yearly. Ooh. It's a year round thing. It's a year round thing. thing. Sure. I, I, but spooky never sleeps. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, stay we, tuned. We'll have some stuff potentially throughout the year, but definitely at the very least volume two way ahead of time of Halloween. Next year. Any more questions? Just uh, what your plans are this Halloween. I'm going to not scary farm. That's Hell yeah. Awesome. On, on Halloween. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I still got the Fright and Fast Pass. Yeah, I always It's like, why even go? Exactly. I mean, when we go to, every time we go to Horror Nights, I'm like, is there a better ticket than the Express Pass? I mean, like the best value, I'm talking about a value ticket, right? <laughs> like I, if someone was like, hey, you want to go to Halloween Horror Nights and I'll get you a free ticket, just a, a regular ticket, I'd be like, pass. They'd be like, yeah. I thought you love Halloween. I'd be like, not standing in line for three hours for a ticket. Yeah, yeah some like of them are three hours, honestly. Yeah. Minutes. Not, yeah. I'm like it. 300 minutes. Not doing it it's just not not worth it like i'd rather not go i'd rather just stay home and watch a horror movie like you know so i think that's probably the best value ticket of any ticket in los angeles is the horror nights express pass but the fright and fast pass you know i got it anyway knots is so good this year man it's awesome really i'm so so excited i think i might live stream oh that'd be great i got like from the whole night just go walk through every maze with a live stream on that would be amazing every halloween we our neighbors have this big flat garage right mm-hmm. on the street so we project our movie on the screen oh, and that's then we great. set out all of our candy on tables and then the whole neighborhood comes around and we're, we watch a movie sometimes we eat out there and hang out and we carve a ton of pumpkins and like point people fr- down the block from our house over to the the driveway sometimes we have to pause the films if the children are small because we're, <laughs> yeah. you know we've done what we've done halloween we did uh lost boys lost oh, boys good one. this year we did poltergeist we've been uh, doing nightmare it on elm street. nightmare on elm street and this year we were doing a classic friday the 13th yeah we're going <laughs> first just like yeah just classic i need it friday i need it time. i really <laughs> need it it's a little basic but it's just one of my favorites it's just essential i'll be there we do a little, little av dogs. squad roll out our cart mm-hmm. with the speakers i love it <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, awesome. And then everybody listening, pick up This is Halloween Volume 1 and crank it at your Halloween uh, night party when you're trick-or-treating. You got to do that. Add it to your playlist for next year, too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm listening to these songs all year round, man. This is so great. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for oh, joining thank us. Thank you so much oh, for having thank us. Thank you. We're, we're awesome. such huge fans. Thanks Great. for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 81. Special thanks to our guests, Lil Punkin, Deep Cuts, and Norman Crates from Lovecraft. Follow them at Lovecraft Songs on Instagram and Twitter, lovecraftsongs.com, and get their new album, This Is Halloween, Volume 1, everywhere. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tahada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy or disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.